What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Shauna. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Unsolved Mayhem. teaser episode so i guess before we get into this very first episode we have a little bit of business to handle welcome to the new show this will be officially launching after the first of the year so we will have a lot of stuff happening over the next couple of months so you can go you know get subscribed ahead of time so you don't miss anything that said we have a couple other shows one you're Listening to this on Speaking of Murders and Speaking of Missing Persons is our other show, so make sure you're checking that out. Um, we have a Patreon, we have social media, all of that's linked in the show notes and episode descriptions. Check those out. There's bonus episodes coming out every other Saturday on the Patreon, and you can find pictures associated with each of our cases on our socials, so don't miss out on that stuff. Uh, don't forget to leave us five stars. Leave a review, hit the follow button, like button, whatever, so you're not missing out on any of the new episodes. And uh, if you have a case suggestion that you want to hear on the show, you can send that to our email. For now, speaking of murders at gmail.com, all of that stuff said, Sean is going to be telling our inaugural episode. So. What uh, what are we getting into today? We know it's unsolved, but are we doing? Is it a a murder, missing person? What kind of? Is it's it an unsolved a bank murder. robbery? I hope. Oh. No, it's an unsolved murder. Oh, okay. <laughs> he said a bank robbery. I hope. I like bank. I think bank robberies are insane. I want to hear bank robbery stories. Uh, Michael wants to hear like unsolved mystery type stuff like literally monsters aliens uh, the unexplained when he found out that that wasn't strictly what we were talking about he was like i don't understand i'm like dude so it's more unsolved crimes yeah, is yeah. What we're covering. this is still a true crime <laughs> podcast well, i feel like you know we might throw in some strange and unusual i mean ufos are crime <laughs> <laughs> Bigfoot commits crime. <laughs> yep. Robbing campsites across the nation. It's criminal. <laughs> he just wants that picnic basket. The Loch Ness Monster. A criminal. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Well, who who are we talking about today? What's the name of the, the a murder? A very sad, e? sad case. Okay, so this is she's, a very sad. She's starting us off with it's some sadness. Okay, so we're going to say not only is the case unsolved, but the person that was murdered is unsolved. They, we don't know. We have no idea who it is. Okay. Unidentified victim. Okay, so a Jane or John Doe. Uh, it's it, a child. I will label this as the boy in the box or America's child. Okay. February 25th, 1957, in Fox Chase, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 
on the side of Sequana, we're not even, (laughs) (laughs) road. (laughs) I did pretty good the first time. We're leaving it there. It's good. She did say it right the first time. I don't know why she second-guessed herself. Because I listened to the pronunciation of it, and it didn't sound right. So on the side of this road, in a cardboard box, like a, it was a bassinet cardboard box, from J.C. Penney's, uh, wrapped in a plaid blanket that had been ripped in two, was the body of a naked little boy. It was guessed that he was between the ages of three and seven years old. He had been badly beaten, most likely molested, and was also extremely malnourished. He had been bathed and given a choppy haircut, and his nails were trimmed. And the police think that this was most likely done after he had died because clumps of hair had clung to his body. Gotcha. The boy also had surgical-type scars on his ankle and groin, and there was also an L-shaped scar under his chin. The boy had originally been found by a a younger man that was in the woods checking uh, weasel traps that he had set up, but it was done illegally, so when he found it, he didn't report it. They think because... He didn't want to, one, get in trouble for the traps or have them taken, which is just fucked up. Within days, though, a college student saw a rabbit run in the direction of one of these traps because it was, like, well known that these traps were there, but, like, he didn't want to stake claim that they were his traps. So he pulled over his car to check to see if the rabbit might have happened into one of these traps. That is when he found the boy's body. But he didn't, like, necessarily realize it. He thought that it was, like, a big doll in a box that someone had just discarded. But after hearing about a missing little girl, he decided to, he, well, he heard about the missing little girl, and he also talked to a priest about it. And he decided to call the police and report what he had seen. So he did this on February 26th, 1957. The day the police recovered the boy, or the body, they opened an investigation immediately. Investigators took the boy's fingerprints and were hopeful that it wouldn't take long for someone to come forward to identify him. But no one ever would. Media jumped all over the case, and it became big news across Philadelphia and the Delaware Valley area. They had printed... 400,000 flyers depicting the boy's likeness, like drawing, and they, uh, they had printed these with the help of the Philadelphia Inquirer. To get them out into the population, though, they included them with everyone's gas bill and then posted them across the town. They had also taken 270 academy recruits like, that were trying to join the police force to search this crime scene multiple times. These searches turned up a man's blue corduroy hat, a child's scarf, and a man's white handkerchief with the letter G, like, embroidered in the corner. None of that turned up any new information, though. Police doing whatever they could to just get the identity of the boy decided to 
dress and stage his body in a sitting position for post-mortem photos so that they could distribute them. Seriously? Yeah. His photos are online. I suggest you look with caution. I mean, a quick... I probably will not do that. I mean, I I will have to do that. Um, That's right. I have to do that. Well, I will do that later. (laughs) If you hop on Wikipedia, they actually, you can, if they have a picture of the box, and if you zoom in, he's in the box, in the photo. Oh, boy. Yeah, it was rough. Despite all efforts to find the boy's identity and who murdered him, this case still remains unsolved. They have nothing. March 21st, uh, 2016, a forensic facial reconstruction of the boy was released and added to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. So they're hoping that now, after all these years, someone might come forward and be like, oh, well, he was a part of my family or whatever. I will also tell you that um, at one point, the guy who did the bust for John List also got involved with this forensically, but it all comes back around. Two theories have remained about this case from the evidence gathered over the investigation. The first of these two theories revolved around a foster home. This foster home was only 1.5 miles from where the boy's body was found. A man named Remington Bristol, Bristol, probably Bristol, a medical examiner office employee in the 1960s had gotten in touch with a New Jersey psychic. The psychic told him to search for a house that had matched the foster home's description. Weird. Around the 1960s, Remington had actually attended an estate sale for this foster home. While inside, he found a bassinet that looked like the one that would have came in the box sold at JCPenney. He had also noticed blankets that looked like the one the boy was found wrapped in. Remington thought that the boy belonged to the stepdaughter of the man running the foster home and that his body was disposed of to make sure no one found out she was an unwed mother. That's what I was thinking is like a secret kid situation. Like nobody knew this kid existed like outside of wherever he lived. I was just assuming that it was a bad foster home and he was abused. Yeah, like a orphanage yeah. situation. It's entirely possible. Police could never make a direct connection to the foster home, though. So nothing really ever came of that. The second theory was actually brought to police by a mentally ill woman named Martha in February of 2002. She told them that the boy's name was Jonathan and that her abusive mother had bought him from his birth parents in 1954. To spare all the horrible details of what Martha said happened to him over the years leading up to 1957, she abused him physically, mentally, sexually. Until, so she was doing all that for a little over two years, until one night she basically fed him dinner, which was baked beans and he ended up throwing up she said her mother beat his head on the floor like to the point of like semi-conscious 
then put him in the bath where he died. She then cut his long hair to hide his identity better, which would explain the haircut. The police really believed that this could have happened because Martha told them details only they had known, like that when he was found, he had remnants of baked beans in his stomach, and that like his hands were wrinkled from the water, that his hair had been cut, like all of that. I was going to say, her story is very detailed to the point of like, it would be scary like for her to know those things. Yeah. Like Martha came forward after the fact because I feel like it never said, but it sounded like her mother had died and Martha was also abused by her mom. Well, I'm sure. And so I feel like she was just scared to come forward until then. But while Martha and her mother were disposing of the body because her mother made Martha help, a passerby had stopped to see if they needed any help. Her mother made Martha basically stand in front of the license plate number so that he couldn't, like, see it. And she said her mother basically convinced him to leave without helping. She did everything in her power to make him leave. The passerby did confirm Martha's story, but it wasn't enough to convict Martha's mother or Martha. But like I said, I think she was dead at this point. But, like, it wasn't enough to, like, definitely, like... Say, this is the boy. This is the boy, and this is who did it. But to have the passerby be like, yeah, I remember seeing them in this spot, and their car, and this, should be, like, enough to, like, corroborate her story. But the case went cold again. The boy had originally been buried in Potter's Field, but his body was exhumed in 1998 to get DNA. So they were hoping that maybe they could find something on it. Right. But nothing's ever been talked about. He was returned at the, I- like he was reburied at the Ivy Hill Cemetery in Cedar Brook, Philadelphia in a big donated plot. Like he got a plot plot. Everything else was donated by the son of the man who had buried him and like donated his to his burial the first time in 19. 19- 57. The boy's tombstone reads America's Unknown Child. It's so sad. The community still to date keeps his grave decorated with flowers and toys and like keeps it clean and all of that. And so that is the story of one of America's like long running unsolved murders that like hit national news. Man, what a story. It is very sad. All these years, and he has no real identity. Yeah, and the fact that if Martha's telling the truth, he was literally sold to his abusers. Yeah. Which, honestly, though, I mean, her story makes sense. Like, her story feels legitimate. Like, she wasn't just, like, talking out her ass just because. The foster home story, though, also makes sense. True. I mean, I feel either one of those stories could be legit. To be fair, on an unsolved case, I feel like they have two very solid theories of what could have happened. But they have no evidence. But they just have no evidence. But I'm with Samantha on this one. Martha's story sounds more, like, real of what happened to this boy. Because 
he was badly bruised and all of that when he was found. Well, she knew so many particular details. Yeah, like, like the, the big food and That is something haircut. that, like, I don't feel like they would have just, like, let the public know because there would have been no reason for no. it. I will say that he, they did believe that he was found within three days of his murder also. I don't know. That's a downer. Yeah, that is a very sad story. All right. Well, if you enjoyed listening to our telling of this story, let us know. Leave us five stars. Share it with your friends, your family, whoever. And uh, don't forget to subscribe. Does anyone have any final thoughts? No. 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 All right. Keep an eye out for the next bonus episode of Unsolved Mayhem. We'll catch y'all on the next one. Bye. 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 Bye.